Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. He 
chooses them to reveal himself through, and the, the, the Bible is the story of them. Of course, it mentions other people at times, and usually they were really sinning, and I worship, and all those things. But you're following the narrative, and even the prophets are Jewish, and they're speaking about things to come, but it really is the narrative of the, the Jewish people all the way through until you get to Jesus. Of course, Jesus said, he's Jewish, half Jewish, half God, all God, all Jew, however that works. He's all that together, right? And then he selects 12 Jewish guys, so the narrative continues with his family. But then Jesus dies, he's resurrected, sends the Holy Spirit to the day of Pentecost, and then you see this shift. But it's not just the story of the Jewish people any longer. It's the story of the world. It's the story of those who are grafted in, who become believers and become born again, and they're grafted into this Jewish family. So it's a continuation of a Jewish family, but now there are more members. Gentiles, you and I. How many of you have a Jewish background origin? Hold your hand up, I'm curious how we've got. One, two, three, four, five, six. Not a lot of us, right? But we get to all be a part of this heritage. By faith, says that by faith we are sons of Abraham. Yay. Right? We need to participate in this. And so as you read the book of Acts, you see these new dynamics happening that has never happened before. I mean, Gentiles. Stay away from type of people. Now God is filling with His Spirit and doing things inside of them like He was doing inside of the apostles. And it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. So let's begin reading some of this. We're going to jump in with We're just going to read, hopefully, more than a couple of chapters here. We're reading the scriptures, and I can't tell it better than Luke described it, so let's just read some of what Luke said. Of course, lead up to right where we left off. Actually, we left off with chapter 7, not chapter 8. Here in chapter 7, Stephen gets murdered, stoned to death. And he sees Jesus stand up from the throne in support of what he just said. And the next verse is chapter 8, verse 1. Saul, we get the entrance to this character right here. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. We're going to find out a lot about Saul in the rest of the book of Acts. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen. Those who were alive, I'm sure. And they lied lamentation over him. But Saul, who was already agreement, began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women, and he would put them in prison. He would become the apostle Paul, was named Saul here, as we know. A Pharisee on the rise, he hated Christians. He watched Stephen be put to death and loved it. Interesting thing with this scattering was wasn't until Stephen dies and his bold, 
courageous testimony in the way that he died, that he had stirred up the devil in such a way that persecution began for Christians for the first time. In this way, and it scattered them, and they left. So remember, they've been this community where they're breaking bread and they're giving each other their homes and their lands and their money. And they have this huge Christian community that's hanging out and having them all together. Thousands and thousands of Christians all living in community, and everything changes. Persecution comes, and the community scatters, and they move to other places. They moved to other nations. They moved around Israel. They moved to other places. And it's interesting to me that Jesus said, right before he left, we read this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, You will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes. In which places? In all Judea, Samaria, and in the remotest parts of the world. But they had community instead. They all gathered. I remember my kids were playing. Uh, soccer when they were little, and they were spread out on the field. And one of my sons had a purple uniform. I remember the coach yelling out, Texas, checking my brain. The coach kept yelling out, Spread out, you look like a bunch of grapes. You're just fucking out in the middle of the field. Well, that's what the Christians were doing. They got saved and they clumped together. They clumped together. But Jesus said, When the Holy Spirit comes, you're not going to clump together. You're supposed to be dominant. You're supposed to be moving. You're supposed to be scattered. Well, what scattered them? Persecution. They didn't go on their own, but persecution set them. Sometimes, you know, God can use anything. And you can see, you know, the places in the world actually where the gospel is having the greatest effect is the most people are getting saved in places that are persecuted the most right now around the world. Iran. China, other places, thousands and thousands of people come to Jesus every day under intense persecution. Sometimes you just have to say thank you for persecution. Well, God can get you to where you want, where He wants you to be. Sometimes through persecution. Sometimes you're supposed to move and get somewhere else. And the way that happens is through persecution. That is scriptural. That's what we see here. Okay. Verse 4. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Isn't that right? They didn't just move, they preached. They shared. They brought the kingdom. They shared the kingdom. What they were, what Jesus said they were going to do, they began doing wherever they went, wherever they were scattered to. And one of those was a guy named Philip. Verse 5. Philip. Which we just read about Philip. He was one of the seven servers along with Stephen and the other uh, five Hellenistic guys. They were Jewish origin people who grew up in a culture speaking Greek and they, get, right, they got saved. They were part of this group. So Philip was one of the seven. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. He's serving widows, full time job, hobby. He's going out and he's preaching. He went down to the city of Samaria, which is actually kind of up from where he was. Samaria is north of Jerusalem. And he began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds of one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip, and they heard and saw the signs, excuse me, as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean 
And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. The lame are being healed. The paralyzed are being healed. Verse 9. Now there was a man named Simon. Again, this is Philip. This is a Hellenistic Jew. This is a Greek type of guy that God is using. He's not an apostle. Just like Stephen. Now there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria. Claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, This man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, baptized in water, men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. He began with conversion. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. He who had amazed others was now constantly amazed at what the Holy Spirit was doing. Verse 14, Now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard this Samaria and received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. So news traveled to Jerusalem, they set up the big guys, Peter and John. He came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So this was something different. A lot of people didn't say, a lot of people didn't baptize a lot, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. Verse 16, for he had not yet fallen, and that word is used in nearly every translation, he had not yet fallen upon them. You know, in the Old Testament, when someone fell upon someone, that was to kill them. He wouldn't fell upon them, but he would die and kill Completely different when the Holy Spirit falls upon us. When the Holy Spirit falls, he fills us with life. Right? Entirely yeah. different. He had not yet fallen upon any of them. He had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Baptized in water, baptized in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the separate experience of being baptized by the Holy Spirit, which has happened twice already as we've been reading. You saw the same people who got back on the Spirit, then they got re-baptized on the Spirit. Remember that? Place to go. So there is clearly a difference in those who have believed and received Jesus versus those who have been prayed for and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Verse 19, they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Saying, give us authority to read as well, so everyone who I may lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours, and pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. More going on on the inside of the Holy Spirit showed Peter what was going on inside of him. But Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me yourself, so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Verse 25. So when they solemnly testified and spoke the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Which, again, these are people who did not get along with the Jews. 
got called half breeds. And there was a lot of issues going on for the Samaritans. But here they are, preaching to them, sharing with them. Jesus led the way when he you know, went to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. But then verse 26, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. I wonder how that What that was like. The one of those people who said, I need to show up in this room. How do you? I see angels um, oftentimes for me, they're glimpses of light. Um, that's typically how I know there's an angel present. I did never see the full form. Some of you may see that, but I see these glimpses of light, and they're typically over people's behind you, behind your shoulder. You know, I said, Philip had an angel speak to him, though, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Very specific. Listen to this specific place. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian eunuch. And again, we've been talking about the Jewish narrative here for over 40 books in the Bible. And now we've got Stephen, we've got Philip, and now we've got an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. We find here that the Holy Spirit is not just a wind and fire, but he has a voice. The Spirit said, is the voice of the Holy Spirit, as well as the voice of the Father and the voice of Jesus. How about that? The voice of the Spirit says to Philip, go up and join this chair. You've all heard him speak. He will tell you to do things. Tell you to, sometimes it's a, it's a conviction, but sometimes it's just an invitation to go do something, or even a command to go. Say something, do something. I have felt that you have heard it. Verse 30. I love how Philip responded to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Philip ran up. In my view, David running at Goliath. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Well, how could I? Let someone guide me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, as a lamb before his tear is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? What timing? That passage is from Isaiah chapter 53. We would know it's Isaiah 53, which is all about Jesus. And he happens to be reading that exact passage. What a setup for Philip to go there and explain because what happens is Philip opened his mouth and began from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water! What prevents me from being baptized. I love that. That's him, I mean, but is there anything stopping me from getting wet? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip, as well as the unit, 
And he baptized them. Verse 39 is when they came up out of the water together, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the unit no longer saw him. But he went on his way rejoicing. How about that one? You get baptized? You never know when we're going to baptize next. If someone's going to disappear. That is exactly what happened. So they go down together, they come up, and Philip disappears in front of them. This is way before D. Roddenberry and Star Trek came up with the beating up sky stuff. All that. I think he probably read this and had that idea. This is the very first teleport of all time that we know of that's written is the Spirit of God grabbing, smashing, Philip, and taking him away. I was, I was looking on the map trying to figure out how far he went. And it's about 30 miles. 30 miles. He goes and plops him down in this other village. It's going to scare you to But Philip found himself at the Zodis. What a day, huh? What an amazing day. That would be an awesome day. Now, if you find yourself in a city and you didn't drive there or walk there, you can be certain it's the will of God for you to be there. Right? I mean, he just, he just had a full faith right there. And as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Chapter 9. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for a point. He's, he's groaning in this anger and fervor and hatred towards Christians. Verse 2, and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, the next country over, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Damascus is 135 miles from Jerusalem. Back then, that if you're walking, that's about six to seven days. I mean, this guy has an issue. He's not just grabbing people out of homes, throwing them in jail in Jerusalem or that area. He's, he's going to the countries. He's the, you know, the opposite of a good missionary. He's going and grabbing people from other places. So, Verse 3 is he was traveling. It happened that he was approaching Damascus, so he's six days in or so. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. That's the middle of the day. So this is a light brighter than the sun light. A very bright light. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I love that too. Just think about it for a second. Jesus saying, Why are you persecuting me? Jesus so identifies with his body who is us that what happens to us is happening to him. Why are you persecuting me? He says. Goodness sakes. Jesus is close. He's personal. He said, This isn't just. Us and him, we are. He sees us as part of him. It's pretty amazing. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. 
But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. Now, this is also Jesus' first mission trip that we know of after he has ascended to heaven. Now, that's interesting as well. Jesus is not limited. He doesn't have to stay in heaven after he's been resurrected because he's got the Holy Spirit. He can show up at any moment, at any nation, on any day, at any time. In fact, um, if you read what is going on in places like Iran right now, in many places that are close to the gospel, missionaries cannot go there. You find story after story after story. There's a book called Miraculous Movements. I encourage you to read that. It's a story of what's going on in the Islamic world right now. Angels and Jesus are showing up in people's homes, revealing themselves and sharing the gospel. It's happening all over the world right now. So, this is the first time that we have recorded Jesus doing this. Jesus shows up. On the road, speaks to Saul. And the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, this very angry man, they brought him to Damascus. It was three days without sight, and neither ate or drank. To God can thwart an attack against us, against others too. There are people being attacked all the time. I think in Nigeria, this country right now, they are attacking Christians, Boko Haram, and other militant Islamists are killing Christians, going to church. It's like we believe they break in and they'll steal the children and they'll kill the adults. I mean, it's, it's happening around the world. And, um, boy, I just encourage you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, wanting you to maybe pray at times for someone on the other side of the world, praying for a congregation on the other side of the world, our brothers and sisters to thwart what the enemy is wanting to do. Jesus thwarts the attack on the Christians of Damascus that day. Clearly, he was saving Saul, but there was uh, such a protection for the believers there. Now look at the disciple of verse 10 at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. Inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. You don't hear that about Paul before until this moment. He struck blind, Jesus speaking to you, changed his ways. He's now praying. Verse 12. And as he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him. So God has given Paul a vision. Saul at this point. That a man's going to come in and lay his hands on him. So he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. How much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority. And here is authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed, entered the house, after laying his hands on him, said, I love this, Brother Saul. 
several days, he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name? And who would come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. The hunter has now become the hunter. Verse 24 But their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so they might put him to death. But his disciples, he got disciples already, took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. I mean, his new life to follow Jesus is terribly right after that. People were trying to kill him, and he stood into a basket, held by a rope, down the side of a large wall. That's not, you know, that's a little bit scary. I've been lowered down into a large well about 40 feet by a rope in a basket. And you know, you think about your life. You do. Does this rope going to break? Squeeze it at the bottom? Hopefully not. And uh, it, obviously he was okay. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. But they were all afraid of him. Not believing that he was a disciple. The Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described him how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked with, to him, Jesus, and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord, and he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, and they didn't yet, but they were attempting to put him to death. So now he's got people who want to put him to death everywhere. Verse 30. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, also town. So the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up in going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. That is a wonderful thing. Going on in the fear of the Lord in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Wow, we need both of those. In our world, in our nation, in our country right here, to live in the fear of the Lord. You know, the fear of the Lord is it's several things. It's the hatred of evil. The Bible says it's also the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. It's both of those things. By it, you live along on the earth. The fear of the Lord, in my translation, Matt Peterson's translation, is to care much more about what God thinks than what anyone else does. To esteem and value God's values. To care what God thinks instead of what people think. The opposite of the fear of man is caring about what man thinks. Valuing the opinions and what man ascribes as something great. The fear of the Lord is the exact opposite. We need it desperately. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Those are two wonderful things to live by. Fear the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Both. Verse 32. Now, as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down also to saints who lived at 
Lydia, or Lydia, sir, there he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Jesus said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up. And all who lived at Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now in Java, there was a disciple named Thomas, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. I think that's how it is. This one was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in the upper room. Since Leah was near Java, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him to not let him come to us. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the other room. All the windows and widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out. He didn't do this before. Right? He didn't know Jesus was going to say, Jesus said, everybody get out of here. Jesus, excuse me, Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. After praying, he turned to the body. He said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Thank you, Lord. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. He became known all over Java, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Java with a tanner named Simon. Believers scattered, sharing the gospel, sharing the kingdom. Peter and the other apostles doing the same miracles, signs, wonders, raising people from the dead. So many things are happening. The Holy Spirit is moving. And people that are not Jews. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.